0: Well, happy Monday, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida.
2: And happy Memorial Day, everybody. I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 25th, episode 2441, brought to you today by Kemen Equine. Good morning, horse world.
1: In America's cities and towns today, flags will be placed on graves and cemeteries, public officials will speak of the sacrifice and the valor of those whose memory we honor. I have no illusions about what little I can add now to the silent testimony of those who gave their lives willingly for their country. Words are even more feeble on this Memorial Day, for the sight before us is that of a strong and good nation stands in silence and remembers those who were loved and who, in return, loved their countrymen enough to die for them. Yet we must try to honor them, not for their sakes alone, but for our own. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men, surely with our actions we must strive to keep faith with them and with a vision that led them to battle and a final sacrifice. Our first obligation to them and ourselves is plain enough. The United States and the freedom for which it stands, the freedom for which they died, must endure and prosper. Their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply. It has a cost. It imposes a burden. And just as they whom we commemorate were willing to sacrifice, so too must we, in a less final, less heroic way, be willing to give of ourselves. Each died for a cause he considered more important than his own life. Well, they didn't volunteer to die. They volunteered to defend values for which men have always been willing to die if need be. The values which make up what we call civilization. And how they must have wished in all the ugliness that war brings that no other generation of young men to follow would have to undergo that same experience. As we honor their memory today, let us pledge that their lives, their sacrifices, their valor shall be justified and remembered for as long as God gives life to this nation. And let us also pledge to do our utmost to carry out what must have been their wish, that no other generation of young men will ever have to share their experiences and repeat their sacrifice. Earlier today, with the music that we have heard and that of our national anthem, I can't claim to know the words of all the national anthems in the world, but I don't know of any other that ends with a question and a challenge as ours does. Does that flag still wave? Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. That is what we must be proud of. Thank you.
2: Woo, that'll get you. (laughs) That is not where I was. The zone I was in this morning, and you just hear him talk, and just gives you goosebumps I,
0: You know, I, I keep going back to Ronald Reagan because he knew how to do a speech. He really <laughs> was the best at that. I don't care yeah. about politics or what you felt about any of that. The man knew how to give a speech.
2: God, if only the current president would just go back and watch just <laughs> some of them. Just, this guy can speak. Oh uh, my God. It could have been
0: that he was an actor for like 40 years, but, you know, I don't know. He was a good speech giver. And, exactly. you know, that's a different one. We usually play one that he did over in Paris at uh, D-Day, at the landing in D-Day. And this was a different one that he did at Arlington, but every one is as good as the last. I listened to a bunch of them this morning, and I had goosebumps with every one. Yeah. Well, we do honor those who fought and died for us on this Memorial Day, as we do every year. We speak with Also, we speak with photographer Diana DeRosa, and a friend of the show, has been on many times, about the many, like, eight Olympic games she's been to. Is that just ridiculous or what? It's well, and she's covered. Them all and taking pictures at them all, and we also hear from an old New Zealand farmer who had some wisdom.
2: If but- we get to it, you seem to think that I'm not gonna have a lot to tell you about this morning, okay? <laughs> like, I haven't let you know what's happened to me this morning, but it's coming.
0: <laughs> Apparently, uh, there's something that we all don't know about yet. Well, my Daily Winnie today is a special hug from Jamie and I to Jennifer Jones. She's one of our terrific auditors this day. She knows why Uh, she posted it this morning. And, Jennifer, uh, we're thinking about you and your family today. Uh, Your turn.
2: (sighs) Let's start with... I'll give my daily winning to my veterinarian who on a Sunday received no less than six calls from me because Zeus (laughs) Zeus has decided to colic. And for those who don't know Zeus, he is he's a Mustang and like it's genetically coded in their DNA to not show pain. Okay. So if he is showing any signs of anything, it's, it it can be pretty bad because he's, he's given up hiding it. So he's like stretching out in the pasture. And then the kids I have, Lucas has his cousins over and they go out in the pasture and I'm watching. I'm like, okay, this is, this is going well. And Zeus just lays down. I was like, Oh no, no, no. He does not lay down in front of humans, much less children. So I got and get him and bring him up and, you know, give him the banamine and all that stuff and and try to keep him, you know, I'm on the phone with my vet. And it's of course like a Sunday night. And, uh, so we get him up, we get him in just waiting for the poop, you know, and he's just like super depressed and head down. And, and, uh, so all night I must've checked him all night long and And uh, going back and forth to the barn. And then uh, this morning, he's super bright and he's really sassy, but he still hasn't pooped a lot. So we're kind of waiting on that. But... The Daily Winnie to my vet goes to, um she, I'm like, you know, I have, and then he's got like some weird hives on his neck. I'm just, it's like, it's, I don't understand what's Did happening he, with now, my horse. Now, Zeus
0: is also known for escaping and getting into the feed room. Did he eat like 50 gallons of feed or what?
2: Not to my knowledge. It's all still in there. The door was closed. So the one
0: time he gets sick is when he doesn't break in and they eat 50 gallons of feed.
2: Yes, he did not eat anything that he shouldn't have. And he's out in the pasture with a muzzle on. But we did have a lot of rain. So maybe he got behind. of his like what I think is he got behind in his drinking. He just had his teeth floated. Oh, yeah. He's been dewormed. And he got vaccinations all like in the past couple weeks. So uh, he had a lot of stuff done. But then it's been raining a lot. And maybe he just got behind in his drinking. He's a little constipated. So we're kind of waiting for things to improve upon. So is so- Chad
0: out there watching?
2: I can't. That's um. No, he's not watching the horse.
0: Is but he out in the let lawn me chair with his beer.
2: Let me tell. Oh yeah, please, 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 <laughs> please. And then I'm like, I might have to take him to the clinic to get some fluids run. And he's like, Whoa, "Oh!" And I just give him that look, like, <laughs> "Dare you effing say something to a me good right morning, now. Huh? <laughs> So here's the thing. Um. So do you know what happens at five thirty in the morning when you are on a farm?
0: Uh, well, it's supposed to be nice and quiet and, uh, maybe a dog barking in the distance.
2: There is a whole lot of nature, Glenn, (laughs) a whole lot of nature. And I like to think that I'm a fairly like nature kind of girl. Okay. I, I love the outsides. I love wild animals. You know what? That might not be true because everything scares me. (laughs) Everything. The first thing I do is I look outside and I'm like, "Oh my God, what's on my fence?" And um, it looks like two pterodactyls have taken residence on my fence, and I'm like, "And I'm walking on the barn." For Zeus,
0: not to get up, <laughs> and I
2: see them, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it's like something scary." They're my ducks. Why are my ducks on my fence? Okay, well, so ducks then I do keep, that, you
0: know, they do, do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, they but they've been scaring me in the barn. They just scare me. They're every they're creepy. They're creepy, creepy. <laughs> Just stay at the dang pond. You know what? Do you know if I could just get things to not scare me? And I'll tell you what happened after that. Last night, I'm getting hay. And it's covered in a tarp. It's underneath, but we still get a little sideways rain sometimes. So I keep it covered. I lift the tarp up and I see what is the latter half of an anaconda shiver slithering away as I've pulled the tarp back.
0: You realize we don't have anacondas here, right?
2: Yeah, no, it was Glenn. It was like (laughs) giant. Like if I put my two hands together, like in a circle, that is. By the the way, that is my
0: biggest fear. Every time I go into because we have found snakes in the hay room, but pulling a tarp off would be my biggest fear. Oh my
2: god! Let me tell you, never, never had that, never had that fear. Gonna have it forever now.
0: (laughs) You're lucky he was heading out, not staring straight at you.
2: Oh, Jesus! Uh, thank died. God. He, I would have died. <laughs> so then uh, as I'm like, Jack, get over here. And he's like, I'm not super brave with snakes. And, you know, like, uh, but he brings a shovel over, like he's going to like man up and like shovel a anaconda. And so pull the tarp off and all these little mice go like running under the thing. And I'm like, oh, so he's like eating very well. Let's just leave him alone. It looks like it It, it was black. You know, it wasn't like was diamonds. Like black snakes are good, usually. Yeah. yeah, so I'm like, okay, we'll leave him alone. And I had a little talk with him and I was like, hello, friend, <laughs> you can live as long as you stop scaring me. You can't scare me. That's not cool. Okay, had that talk with him. You know, I'm going back and forth all night long. This morning I'm walking down and... The ducks have just scared me. I'm still a little on edge from last night. And then I think you're
0: still a little on edge now, to be honest.
2: Right now, Jack Russell (laughs) starts barking like crazy at like, I have a little like lucky statue, like a little grave where I buried my last basset Hound, And, and tank is like barking his nuts off at this statue. And I'm like, that thing has been here forever. You're a half blind senior Jack Russell. What are you doing? And I walk up to it. Yeah. There's a giant freaking snake coiled in front of like right on top of Lucky's grave, right in front of the statue. And mind you, it is
0: who was more scared. You or the snake.
2: Well, with the little Jack Russell barking at it, the snake was in a little ball (laughs) and he was ready to murder somebody. And it was not the same anaconda that I saw last night. This was his little brother or sister. And it was spotted, but it did not have a triangular shaped head. So I let him I was like, you know what? you can live. Just don't scare me. I'm tired of y'all scaring me. So I move on. I go out, I'm checking on Zeus, I'm walking him around and I'm like, what is that in my, I don't know, my glasses on. And it's like really far. I, I wear glasses to see far away and I don't have my glasses and I see something in my manure pile. I'm like, is that a crow? What is that? And I'm squinting and I'm looking. I'm like, mm, that's it. I've got to go find out. So I put on my boots and I walk through the pasture. Glen, there is a skunk the size <laughs> of a wolf in my I'm manure sorry, pile. It's not funny, but it's- and he oh, he's is, in the manure pie. What the hell he's is he doing in, in the manure pie? He was digging. He was digging. He was so into his dig that he didn't <laughs> even notice me filming him. And I got within, I don't know, 30 feet. And then his tail twitched and I ran. Okay. So at this point, I'm three, I'm a couple snakes in, I'm a skunk in. I'm ducks have Frighten me like pterodactyls, and it's still like before six o'clock in the morning. Okay. And the sun is coming up, and you are I just never can't. You're out before
0: light again, are you?
2: Never, ever, <laughs> never again. Well, you know what? I'm going to get cameras installed in the barn so I can watch sick horses from the comfort of my home. And then I, so Chad's like, I'm like, bang. We, if those who listened know that pretty much every one of my dogs has been skunkified like in the last couple weeks. And my neighbor now was like, yeah, it
0: was. <laughs> he goes,
2: we used to see all of them and there, but uh, I know which skunk it is because he's ginormous and he doesn't even care that I walk 20. I was like going, Hey, Hey, <laughs> get out of there I'm filming it too I'm get out of there and he didn't even care like no fear I
0: guess so a poop I, pile isn't much uh, of a deterrent for a skunk right I mean I guess
2: he's in like they're digging for like grubs or whatever maybe you know? yeah and you so, know the smell
0: doesn't bother him
2: <laughs> right I'm like it was an improvement so I I come in the house and I'm like hey Chad Chad, I found the skunk because you know my husband is like, I'm going to shoot the skunk. Like, I'm gonna shoot it. Uh, we have too many skunks, we're overrun. If I ever and I was like, I've never seen a real live skunk, I've only smelled them or seen them dead on the road. And so here's a real live skunk. So I walk in, and I'm like, here's your chance, farm boy. Let's see what you're made of. <laughs> And I'm like, there's a skunk out there and we're doing a burn pile this morning. And like, he's really busy. We've got people coming over from Memorial Day. And he's like, oh, well, I'll just have to deal with it later. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) So Mr. Farm Boy is like, I'm going to shoot all the skunks and I'm going to be like this murderous farm guy. Is in turn a very big softy, and you're not gonna shoot anything because you're like, I'm too busy on my tractor to go shoot the ginormous skunk. Remember, I'm a vegetarian slash now vegan, and I don't care if he kills anything. I just want them to not scare me. So, so I'm like By the way, oh, big by tough the way farm you boy. know, after
0: you kill the skunk, you have to get rid of it. That's the problem with that.
2: Well, well. And they here, tend to he,
0: let loose of their bodily fluids when you shoot them.
2: I would imagine. But you know what? We don't actually have a not to be whatever. We don't have a gun. We have, like, Lucas has a BB gun. Well, that's okay? not going to
0: work on a skunk. No. I'll just piss so, him off.
2: <laughs> but I said to Chad, and I'm like, oh, Mr. Tough Tough bro, he can't. You're too busy to go shoot a skunk. Don't you talk to me about ever wanting to go shoot anything if you're not going to shoot anything right now when it's, like, literally 25 feet outside our house. You just walk over there and get it. He's not going to be there forever. This is your chance. You, you know what? You're a big softy. I'm like, you're a big softie, and you think you're tough, and you're not tough, and you love animals just as much as I do. <laughs> Glenn, I swear to God, as the show is starting, I see Chad walking out to the poop pile
0: with the BB gun. <laughs> He will I take a lot of his shots with a BB gun. I shamed gun. him. He's just gonna piss the skunk off. The gonna run over, bite him in the ankle.
2: Uh <laughs> no, this is a t- I shamed him into walking onto the manure pile with a BB <laughs> gun because I called him a softie. And he's like, I am no-. I'm sure in his head he is walking through the field like I am not a softie. Who she think she's talking to? I'm like who t- I can tell her that I'm gonna shoot something, I'm gonna shoot something. I just hear it. I hear him from the house. <laughs> Oh, <gasps> too much nature, Glenn. I don't, I, I thought I liked nature. I don't like, I don't like nature because it surprises you. If I can like walk up to a field and like, oh, ah, all these beautiful things start happening in front of me. No, everything has to like jump out at you or like surprise you. I don't know. I, you
0: no. know, I do you <laughs> know, I, I can't imagine what it's like. Uh, we we obviously go out at nighttime around here in Florida, but imagine what you have in Florida with <laughs> if you have all of that there. By the way, those black snakes—they're good. They keep the poisonous ones away, but they still do scare the crap out of you. We I, have these I, big water buckets.
2: I don't <laughs> want to kill anything. I just don't want them to scare me. We
0: have these big automatic water buckets, and they they have the they're the big ones that are big and round, and they have the indentation. And when you flip them over to clean them, it's a hollow underneath, right? Oh God! Right? Every reading- Every time I flip that over, I am prepared for the snake to be underneath it. Every time. Now, it's never happened, but I just know it's going to... We have a black racer around here, which are only about four feet long, and they're really skinny, and they're black, and they go about 90 miles an hour. And I see them on the road all the time when I ride my bike. They come out the sun on the road. But they they do keep... The poisonous ones away, so it's like okay, he can live around here, but he does scare the crap out of me. And but
2: stop scaring me! I I can't, can I, I put a bell on you or something? I know. And like, yeah, I know. yeah he does but scare me.
0: the The you know
2: ginormous what? black anaconda that's living under my hay is not cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll, like, I would never I get hay
0: again. Jennifer'd have no. to do it because she yeah. doesn't seem to mind him so much. She always catches the ones that are in the hay loft and moves them. Because oh yeah.
2: god, <laughs> I'm you know as brave as I get. This is as brave as I get, and um. It's something I just have to do. It does not matter where I am. I will stop on the side of the road and move the turtles because it's turtle crossing time. You
0: realize the snapping turtle is going to bite your hand off one of these days.
2: And now I'm like, will I ever do that again? Because I'm always afraid that their little necks are going to turn around and grab my fingers, but I, I'm pre- I like I clap. I'm like, go back in.
0: You know what's go, ironic? Get away. You know what's <laughs> ironic is this year's really bad. The bug that's going to hurt you most is a tick, and apparently ticks are really bad everywhere this year.
2: Yeah, we have those for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean they're really bad this year. You know what we had, and I saw a bunch of yesterday, and I haven't seen any yet this year. We've talked about them before. They're called cow ants. And they're this great big orange, bright orange ants that are about an inch long. And if they bite you, you will lose a section of your arm <laughs> or your skin. They, the flesh disintegrates if they bite you. Uh, what? Sometimes you have to get skin grafts. It's that bad. That's why they're called cow ants, because they'll take down a cow. Um but yeah, they're they're nasty. So you avoid those. I mean you walk way around the cow ants. You don't ever want to find a cow ant on you because if he bites you, you're in trouble.
2: What a cow ant?
0: Yeah. Look up cow ant sometime. It's this bright orange ant that's about a half an inch long and and nasty looking. I'm
2: gonna Google that right Another now. Another thing we
0: have in Florida <laughs> too.
2: Florida is second only to Arizona and things that are going to kill you. Kill
0: you. <laughs> We don't have scorpions as much as Arizona did. You used to find those everywhere.
2: Oh, that is a horrifying-looking bug. I'm, I'm never <laughs> going to sleep again. Where do these
0: live? In the pasture. Uh, I just went to put Scooter's hay out yesterday, and I saw three of them. And, and you don't see them in large clusters. So seeing three together was unusual. But, yeah, you have to be careful that you're not taking a hay net off a tree and there's a cowion on it. Uh,
2: okay. It's actually called a velvet ant. Yeah. Um. They... Consume their hosts when they hatch. Female velvet ants can deliver a powerful sting. It isn't venomous enough to kill a cow, uh, but to a human, it feels feels as though it could. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, you think you're going to die. Yeah,
0: you know, think of firing as bad because that itches for a week. Apparently, you don't want a cow ant bite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you get built
0: by a cow ant?
2: The sting, the pain, and the sting can last for over half an hour.
0: Yeah, apparently it's nasty.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I never tried. So you can have allergic reactions. They're super apparently hard to kill. Yeah, you can't. Oh, step my God, do will kill bees.
0: You can't st- like the cow. Ant, you try and step on it. It just runs away and laughs at you. <laughs> It's You're like a, kidding! No, it's like a little. Oh my God!
2: Or, what are you doing to me? You know I can't handle this this morning. Okay.
0: What else do you want to know about that we have? <laughs> how about how about let's take a deep breath and let's talk about Kevin and we'll go to our guest and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to do I'm a post. Dr- show. I, it's
2: Memorial Day. It's day yeah, drinking. That's right.
0: We're not going to do a post show today because it is Memorial Day and uh, we just we you know we we came on today because we want we do like to celebrate Memorial Day and wanted to provide a little. Energy entertainment that wasn't scary for you today, like viruses. But apparently, Jamie decided to change the tune and just make it super scary today. So there we are.
2: listen, this is the life I have been living. today. Do
0: you know what the first line of our commercial is? We-
2: yeah, I'm gonna read it right now. And it's so appropriate. And do you know, actually, I called Kevin like to get this. I was like, I need chromium. I'm stressed <laughs> out like you would not believe. Yeah, can
0: I put it in my cereal?
2: <laughs> I know. Can I? I was like, where do I get this? They're like, it's in things. And I was like, I, what things? I need those things. <laughs> the first line, we are all a little stressed right now. <laughs> And our horses can get stressed too. Every horse experiences stress caused by things like exercise, environmental conditions like the weather, or their everyday surroundings. Travel causes horses stress just like humans, and snakes, and skunks, and cow ants, ants and ticks, Um, and even simple diet changes. All of these variables contribute to the stress levels of your horse. This might also come as a surprise you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day by lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing energy use feeding chromium results and improved body upkeep health and performance and overall well-being but this part is important don't just feed any chromium feed your horse the only fda-reviewed source of chromium on the market today chemtrace chromium from Kemin. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Kemin.com, dot com K E M I N dot com slash chromium eq.
0: Thank you, Jamie. Well, she's been to eight different Olympics. She's a good friend of the show. And we're having her on to talk about the Olympics today. You know, that thing that's not happening this year, but happening next. But we thought we'd make believe like it's happening. So we have Diana DeRosa on with us. She's a photographer, been all over the world covering horse sports. Hi, Diana. Hi, how are you? Good. You sound great. So good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Where have you been hibernating?
3: I actually, um, I have my office in my brother's office and everybody here has been sequestered at home. So I actually am in the office almost every day. I'm in the office now. There's no one here, but me, but, um, a lot of what I do is alone. So
0: what town are, what town are you in?
3: I live in Huntington and I, my office is in Farmingdale, uh,
0: it, New York,
3: New, in New York. Just New York. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> going to Indiana, I like, Illinois. <laughs> Farmingdale sounds very familiar. Like it could be in it Oklahoma, like
0: Illinois, or Indiana to me. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> so true.
0: <laughs> so Diana, you've been to eight Olympics. So what year did you start?
3: I started in 1988, which was so, uh, Seoul, Korea. Oh, cool. Well, that's a that's an
0: exotic one to go to for your first Olympics, right?
3: It was phenomenal. I mean, because the year before, nineteen eighty four, was in Los Angeles, so that wouldn't have been a big deal. But to go to Seoul, Korea, I travel a fair amount, but that was a nice, big, far road trip. So it was, yes, it was great.
0: Now you were a photographer at all of these, am I right?
3: I, I'm. Uh, I, I always get a credential for a photographer. But I also do some writing as well. But my main thing is photography. I, I love doing photography.
0: Well, the nice part about being a photographer at these events, as Jamie and I learned, is you get the front row seat.
3: <laughs> That's the best part. You know, I, I'm thinking of that today. When I was at the 2012 Olympic Games in Great Britain, I remember sitting right outside the arena and turning around, and there was Kate and William and Harry <laughs> And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs>
1: They're
0: right behind me.
3: <laughs> this is what it means to be a photographer at an Olympic Games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do you, uh, so you've been to so many different ones. Obviously, your first one was prob- was memorable because it was your first one. But is there one that really stands out to you as the Olympics of all Olympics that you've attended?
3: You know, I, you know, I have to say it is the first one because it was my first one. But there's more than that about it. You know, Greg Best... And Gem Twist will live in my heart forever. Uh, they they were like the horse and the combination that you, you couldn't beat, that gray mare or, or gray, I think it was a gelding actually, gelding, yeah. or, or stallion. Um, but yeah, you, you could not, going there, knowing that they were going to be competing was just such a phenomenal thing. And then having him get the individual silver medal and the team silver medal Uh, with Joe Farges and Lisa Jaquin and Ann Krasinski, which were all people that I admired, just the memory alone of it being my first Olympics and then seeing those same people I had watched on USA soil at the Olympic Games in Seoul, Korea. That is a memory that will last with me forever.
0: Was there
3: there one that
0: (laughs) you wish you hadn't gone to?
3: Um, You know, I think that there's always something at every Olympic Games. Uh, I know when I went to 2016, everybody was weary about, oh, do you really want to go to Rio? And uh, and I know that we were extra cautious. And I think one of our other journalists or photographers had her camera bag stolen. And I, I really was glad that I went. So I can't answer your question negatively, but when that happened it really sort of put right in front of my face oh wow that could have been you you know and that mm-hmm. that that would have been horrible cuz you you are aware that camera equipment is extremely expensive, and, and Diana's
0: the- camera equipment is bigger than she is. Jamie, <laughs> if you remember watching Diana at uh, Rolex for all those years, she's carting around twelve cameras, and literally you can't see her <laughs> she's so tiny, and the cameras weigh about hundred pounds.
2: <laughs> I know you're, yeah, you're absolutely amazing, and I the science of why you would do like I don't know, can't you just twist like a little knob on one camera and turn it into something else? No, you are like oh, I need this camera for this photo. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And this one for that one, I don't understand it, but I'm glad there's people like you around to take beautiful pictures.
3: You know, I'm a good friend. My equipment is 90% Nikon and I also use Sony for a movie and stuff. And I've been a good friend of Nikon people for a long time. And I've been able to call them up and ask them questions and, and offer their advice and such. So uh, it just, it gave me such insight into what I needed to do, because you know, when I started back in 1988, I was a novice. I mean, I was still just learning, and and then as the time went on, and I had help from from people like that and the fellow photographers who were always very good to me. It's amazing how you you the the lens and the camera make a real difference in the end photo.
0: You know, I've tried studying photography, and I just get lost. I think there there are certain people that just get it. You know, the apertures and all that stuff. There's certain people that just get it, and those of us that have no creative ability at all just don't. I think you have. I believe to be a good photographer, you have to have a little bit of artistic ability inside of you.
3: Totally, totally. I I, I very much agree with that because I did not. I could call myself like I could call myself a street dancer because I, I go by the feel of the music and I think of myself as a street photographer because I didn't go through the typical, okay, what is an ISO and then, you know, ISA and uh, aperture and all that I didn't go through that stuff, but I know the camera. I know what I need to do. If it's too dark, you know, I know how to work with the different settings to, you know, use your ISO or your F stop or what have you to get that picture. You know, when you're at an Olympic games, you're under a lot of pressure. And you don't have time. You better know your equipment. And I always tell people, know your equipment, know those settings, know what you need to do when, you know, you have to use different things because of the, you know, you're shooting into the sun or not shooting into the sun or what have you. So it really is more about that than than totally understanding what all those definitions mean.
0: So was there, other than a gem twist, was there, are there moments that stick out to you from the different Olympics?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, when I think back at the 2012 Olympic Games and David O'Connor, uh, not 2000, the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games, David O'Connor winning a gold medal, I, and I remember him. You know, it's, it's an inventing rider, and I remember him, and I still have a picture of him. Actually, I can look at it in my office of him galloping around the arena, holding the American flag up, and it was a really precious moment for me to, to you know, to see that. Anytime you get. Any medal, it's really great. But when you get a gold and then you have something that you can come back to and live with in your mind about that moment and how special it was.
2: Isn't it funny? Every time each one of these moments you've talked about watching Gem Twist and and oh my God, like I, of course, like every girl we had, you know, the poster on our wall from that. And uh, to, to, to talk about David O'Connor, I was waiting tables in a bar <laughs> when David O'Connor uh, they actually showed some eventing on TV and I remember watching him fly. I watched the whole thing. And I'm sure my people on my table were pissed, but I was like, oh my God. And he was just <laughs> flying through the cross country course. And I mean, I remember watching that and then like, there's no way he's not going to win. I mean, just to, to see that eventing was actually televised, it was so cool for the Olympic games and, and his ride was so amazing. And every one of these things you've said, uh, do you remember anything particular about Atlanta?
3: You know, Atlanta was interesting because we went with a few different people and stayed in a house type thing. And we shared the situation and um, to have it on your home turf was kind kind of neat, but uh, Atlanta, one of my memories for that one are David, uh, Bruce Davidson, um, because back then he was just everything. I mean, in the eventing world, Bruce Davidson, you knew who he was at that time. And for many years, because Bruce was in, in all of the Olympics that, that I was at early on. And um, his just watching him ride was really memorable for me. And also... Uh, it brings me back to when I think of Stefan Peters, because Stefan has been a staunch person in all of our Olympic games. I mean, all of our dressage teams, it's always been Stefan there. And you know, that kind of, that's kind of my beginning memory of Stefan. And every time I go to an Olympic games and he's there, I just, I just root for him. I think he's such an incredible person and such a kind writer and, so that's mm-hmm. that's definitely a mem- a memory for me. Um, for the show jumping team, we had we had Michael Matz, who was in that plane crash, um, and survived it with his future wife. And so, you know, there is there's still a number, another memory there, and um, just just so many good memories of of riders that have continued to compete in in future Olympic games, like Robert Dover and. Gunter Seidel. I mean, it was just um, it was just really a phenomenal, a phenomenal game for us and for the United States.
2: Uh, what are you doing now? I mean, this uh, this has got to be like crazy to not be going to the Olympics this year.
3: You know, it's it's really interesting because it doesn't take a month to prepare for the Olympic games. It takes years, and so you are putting in, requesting your credentials and sending headshots and confirming where you're going to stay and all of that. And then the year that you get, finally, all of that's figured out. And now you get to the year that you're going to be going to the Olympic games and you start preparing, you start looking at your equipment, what you're going to take, you start organizing things because you have to be very tight. I mean, when you're flying, you need to make sure that what you bring is what you need. And I also create this little hanging, you know, Uh, It's one of these things that you put jewelry in, but what I do is I put all of my little things in there. It might be a USB drive. It might be um, an L wrench. It might be uh, something that I need for my camera or my equipment or for me personally or what have you so that I can easily bring that stuff with me. I've had so many experiences where I've, my cameras die. my, yeah, my cameras died or my computers died or I, I, my adapter died or what have you. So that I make a point now of thinking, you know, outside the box and thinking of having extra stuff. Not only now for me, but I've also over the years lent cameras. I've lent laptops, you know, when I had a second one and I had second camera stuff. I've lent to, to other people because I know what it's like to have that happen to you. So. It's a real organizational nightmare for a good year before the Olympic Games. Wow! Well, now wow. you
2: have an
0: extra year.
3: I <laughs>
2: <laughs> Get to work, Diana. Yeah, jeez, no mistakes
0: this time. You got a long time to think about it. So, I okay, I got a c- couple just lighter questions to ask you. It is Memorial Day, so everybody thinks about food, right? So, is there an Olympics that the food that would you would call it the best food Olympics, and then is there one that you just went, oh my god, that was awful?
3: You know, I. <laughs> Very often when I go to Olympic Games, I'm I'm sort of unique in my eating habits, and I in that I don't real I don't usually eat dinner. I do something called intermittent fasting and stuff. Um, not when I'm at a game, so then I just eat when I can. But a lot of times, what I do is I take the food from the country. Like in Rio, those oh, yeah, Rio was the they had uh, avocados. I mean, you could buy avocados for so cheap. So I used to make these avocado sandwiches. And that's what I would eat every day. And then in um, when I was in Great Britain, they were big on hummus. I used to make these hummus sandwiches. I know this sounds really weird, but uh, uh, and then I also, you know, so I don't necessarily eat the food there. I never go out to dinner or anything like that with there. I try to not distract myself in any way. Any free time I have, I want to spend it sleeping the two or three or four hours. I might be able to get a night. So, um, lots of times that's what I did. Or I know in some of the places I'd go to the, the sh- supermarket and I'd buy a bunch of food that was, condi- you know, indicative of that area, whether it was cheese or other things. So
2: I don't know about you, I'm hungry for a hummus and avocado sandwich right
3: <laughs> now. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Uh, I'm telling you that was fabulous. I mean, it, it's so good. I mean, I can remember I, every single day I look forward to having that avocado. Uh, Saturday. and i would stop my day cuz i would bring my greens with me i, I bring a I drink a healthy shake every morning so i would bring a whole big thing of mixed powders that i eat and i would when i was in, in uh, rio it was really great because the breakfast was fabulous they had vet, they had uh um fruit and and they had um yogurt and i used to have that every morning so i have to say that was one of my favorites but then i'd have this this uh, shaker that just you put it's um it's battery operated. So I put my drink in there. I'd go down in the morning. I'd put some water in there and I'd blend that up. And that's what I'd eat before I'd go to breakfast. So, yeah, my my food intake is unusual for most people. <laughs> did you ever
0: at any of the Olympics get a chance to or have a desire to see any of the other sports other than horses?
3: Um, I I never did Ever see the other sports at any Olympic games? It wasn't even a desire. Our credentials are very much limited yeah. to essential sports. But I will say, and I'll you know sort of sway here a little bit. When I went to the Pan American Games in Canada, I had the opportunity to shoot with a group of people for the um, USOC, and I did the Pan the um, Para Para Games of all the sports, the cyclists and the swimmers and what have you. And that was the most fabulous memory it unbelievable to watch these athletes with with missing limbs or or you know both legs gone or the archery people that were shooting with their legs and stuff and to watch all those different sports with these people that were phenomenal athletes you know that's a little stray from the olympic games but that that memory will always remain with me that's so cool.
0: Well, Diana, we could talk to you all day and we will we'll have you back. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us this morning on this Memorial Day. And and it's appropriate that you're talking about memories today, right? It is Memorial Day. So you're talking absolutely. about memories uh, and good memories here. We're talking about memories from from Olympics, which all of us remember Olympics, mostly from watching it on TV. Uh, and you know, and then there are people like you that have been to eight, which is absolutely amazing. And I assume you had your credentials and your tickets that you were ready to go to japan
3: oh totally i was already packing and yeah and i really thought it was going to happen but i was thinking it's going to happen but no spectators i thought that's what would have been the end result but then you know reality you know really, really hit and i realized oh this isn't going to happen
0: so uh, so you've rebooked everything for next year
3: Yeah, basically what they're doing is they are, you know, saying that we can we, you know, if we've got credentials, we can go for next year and we can They're going to rework the accommodations. And I never booked a flight. So thank goodness for that. Um, And so, yeah, so I'll worry about that next year when I'm absolutely sure it's going to happen.
0: You know, flights have been an interesting thing. We booked uh, Air Canada. We're supposed to be going on vacation in two weeks. And uh, they would not give a refund, even though we're not even allowed to fly to Canada. I mean, we're not even allowed to fly to Canada. It's closed, right? The border's closed. Yeah. So they would not give a refund. It was only a credit. So at some point in the next two years, I have to go to Canada for something.
3: Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, I'm not surprised they gave you – at least they gave you a credit. Yeah, they did uh,
0: give a credit, but there was no way they were going to give a refund. Now, apparently, I found out that if you call and argue – but I tried calling, and the wait was almost four hours. And I was like, oh, I'm not even going to wait for that. So, yeah. Uh, You know, it's so funny because um, uh, one of our uh, fill-in hosts – uh, actually called the cable company last week, and she was p- put on hold, and the hold time was 2,003 minutes.
3: Oh, my which, God. Which, if you figure
0: it out, is 33 hours.
3: <laughs> so wow. She did not wait
0: uh, for that, by the way. So, yeah, it's crazy times. Well, I hope you get to go next year. I think you'll be able to go next year and have some fun. But before that, we'll give a quick plug. What are you going to be doing in September?
3: Oh I'm I'm I actually work with the team of Equitana USA. I'm the Equine Media and Relations Manager for Equitana and I've been working with that team for a year now and it is great fabulous people and the event's going to be so great. It's a big trade fair and I'm excited to be a part of so it.
0: So you'll give Jamie a press pass if, uh, and I if I go we'll, we'll get press passes for
1: Equitana.
3: Yeah and I'll yeah I'll be I'm actually working you know helping with the cornet people who are handling the pr but yeah i can i can definitely guide you feel free to call out anything i can do to help i'm absolutely ready to do
0: all right sounds good well diana thank you so much you've always been generous to us through the last 12 years coming on our show and and telling us all your fantastic stories and we'll talk to you again soon be safe okay
3: oh you too stay safe safe out there in illinois or indiana
0: or wherever you're at
3: (laughs) safe and healthy (laughs) bye diana bye Bye. I could listen. She
0: has so many stories to tell. (laughs) I know. Can you imagine of going to having gone to eight Olympics and what you've seen through eight Olympics? Sounds like she works an awful lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've seen those photographers at Rolex. I mean, they're always they're doing one of two things: they're running to an arena someplace, or they're back looking at their pictures all day. You know, they're just all because they have to sell them quick. I guess I don't know how that works. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're all the time. They're either looking at pictures, uploading or downloading, taking all our bandwidth. That's what they're doing. That's <laughs> true, right? Uh, all right. Very good. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on this Memorial Day. We have a tradition here on the show. And, by the way, for auditors, we will not have a post show for you today. We will have a post show for you again on Wednesday. Tomorrow? I
2: will, though, video and post this ginormous Skunk. bonfire we're about oh, to have. Okay.
0: Is and that a bonfire go- for people to roast marshmallows or are you just burning stuff?
2: It's a it's it's a it's a culmination of years. We moved in to this house and this burn pile was here and we've just been adding oh, to okay. it. So it is ginormous and um this is we've been trying Do you to have the fire department on standby. Of course, and we got a permit and everything is no wind. I got to go get the horses in. We're going to light this puppy. And I figure, Chad's like, we can roast marshmallows. And I was like, babe, you're going to need From 30 a hundred foot stick to put that marshmallow on. It's going to be so hot. <laughs>
0: well, the skunk ought to leave after that gets cranking. He'll be gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the snakes and every other critter.
2: I did take video of the skunk. You can kind of just see its tail sticking up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, as tradition is... Uh, oh, I keep forgetting, tomorrow is going to be the Western episode with Tara. So we'll look for that, and we'll have a full week of shows for you this week. But tradition is, at the end of the Memorial Day show, we always play the Armed Forces Medley. So enjoy this as we play the show out. Have a terrific holiday as best you can, wherever you are. Be safe, and we'll talk to you all again tomorrow.
1: United States Coast Guard! United States Marines!